And the motion picture is the most important art film ever devised by the human race. It is the, the art form that creates more empathy than any other. It creates our ability to step out of our own shoes. Welcome to The Great Movies Pod, a retrospective film review show, the podcast where we watch and discuss each of the films covered in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collection, The Great Movies. I'm Nick Fulton. I'm Dylan Quayer. And I'm Jana Gardner. And normally this would be where we seg- where I segue into the movie review with the terrible pun, and then we talk <laughs> about a movie, but instead, this week we are going to be... Uh, reviewing the last nine movies that we covered, giving out awards to our favorite things from those, and um, maybe some other silly stuff too. But before that, instead of just focusing on the great movies, we wanted to talk about some of Roger Ebert's most hated movies. So we're going to do a mini review of a 1995 crime film that he Hated. He gave one and a half stars to the, I think, twice Oscar-winning mm-hmm. yep. film, yep. The Usual Suspects. That's correct. Can we begin this by talking about its Oscar wins? Well, yes. I also yeah. have one overarching question. By the way, um, everyone, spoiler alert for The Usual Suspects. If, you have, it's, if you've made it 25 years and you don't know the twist of The Usual Suspects, you don't want to know it. Skip ahead like five minutes. But... My question that occurred to me this morning is, if it weren't for the twist in The Usual Suspects, would it have won any Oscars? And would anyone no. give a shit about this? No. And no, one, no one, this would just be like another crime movie from the 90s that no one gave a shit about, right? No. It's only because of the twist that like it is revealed. Yeah. And I, I don't hate it, to be clear. I've seen it a bunch of times. I've had fun watching it. Um, but it... It, it's just like so many other kind of disposable 90s crime movies when you actually sit down to watch it. Yeah, to me, it's pretty basic. Um, I, it was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. I remember sure. that. Um, but the more I've watched it, it's just like, and I think the older I've gotten, it's just like, eh, this is not what I'm interested in. Um Ebert's famous quote from his review is, to the point I don't understand, I don't care. And right. I, 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 w- I kind of agree with it, but I'd honestly just rework the uh, quote to just saying, to the point I don't care, I just, I don't care. Right. None of the characters yeah. are that interesting. The plot's kind of muddled and, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's that hard to understand necessarily. I mean, especially, I guess... It's more of like, I don't understand the motivations of any character or any plot moment. Well, and the other thing that is kind of frustrating about watching it is, like, what are we watching? Anything, (laughs) is anything, you know what I mean? Did any of this happen? What are, does any of this reflect who these these characters actually are? Mm -hmm. Like, because of the twist, the rest of the movie is kind of this shrug of like, well, it's just made up, right? Like, how much of what we saw has any connection to what actually happened? Um, hard hard to invest in characters in that way. Right, and to to Dylan's criticism of, uh, you know, you don't understand any of the character motivations, it's because, like, how much of these characters' motivations right. are real or just invented? Like, if you want to give way too much credit, you could say that none of the characters' motivations really make any sense because they're being invented off mm-hmm. the cuff uh, during a police interview. I think that's giving mm-hmm. away too much credit, but... Being said, I mean, I th- it's it's fun. It's it's in yeah. that vein of like, yeah. I, 
I mean, it came so it it came just a year after Pulp Fiction, so I won't say that it was like necessarily inspired by Pulp Fiction, but yeah. it was like in the same vein of like kind of like not as stylish, but you know, a, a slick '90s crime film that had like an extra thing to latch onto that made it more than just like a basic crime movie. It had like the, this twist that I mean, people love a twist, especially yeah, like love a twist. in the mid to late '90s. Yeah, if you throw if you throw in a twist, like goddamn. Yeah, this is four years before The Sixth Sense. Just we're really just barreling towards the heyday of of twist yeah. culture. And I, I personally, I mean, you guys are saying everybody loves a twist. I don't really care for a twist. Well, I, that's not surprising. <laughs> I, not 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 necessarily that twists are bad, but I just find a lot of movies with twists are made for the twist rather than for the movie. Right. And so. Not that, like, uh, if a movie ends with a twist, you're like, ah, oh, fuck this movie. It's just, like, yeah, the movie as a whole, if it's kind of built for a twist, it's just is not as interesting to me. And that's why this, like, this movie specifically, there are some other movies that have, like, I mean, I guess Citizen Kane technically has a twist, but it's not really built around the twist. Yes, exactly. Whereas this, mm-hmm. it's, built around the, it's built around the twist so much so that... Um, after I watched it for the first time, I was like, oh, my God. Like, it blew my mind. And then every other time I've rewatched this movie, the only reason has been to show people who have not seen it before mm-hmm. and yeah. to see their reaction. I've right. never, like, just watched it for for fun. And it's not that it's not fun. It's just it's it's as fun as a million other movies. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's not, ter- it's not terrible by any means. The, the only thing that I would say now looking back that's terrible about mm. it is the people involved which um I, i'm not giving ebert that much credit for having known uh <laughs> certain things about the the director and right. main star yeah i mean that's that yeah i mean that's it one makes of those it things really you, gross you can't back. sit down and watch it in 2020 and like you can't sit down and watch a brian singer directed film starring kevin spacey and just be like fun times like it's <laughs> You know, so I, yeah, today was the first time I had sat down and watched any of it, like, on purpose um, in a really long time. Like I was saying, I just, it's playing on cable from time to time, and I'll put it on and and watch a few minutes here and there, and it is entertaining. Um, I will say, like, the opening is very stylish in that 90s way. It has these, like, really interesting sort of cuts when it's introducing all the characters. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting here going, oh, the editing's kind of interesting on this. I better look up who edited this movie. Um fun twist obviously obviously maybe the editor was uh brian singer's sort of regular editor john ottman um who also did the score for the film he's a weird film editor music composer (laughs) combo that's quite a dual threat right there it is um he uh if anyone has heard his name it might be because they uh joined in the outrage of his recent oscar win for best editing for bohemian rhapsody oh yeah yeah, he is the infamous Bohemian Rhapsody editor who won the Oscar. <laughs> Sorry, sir. I don't blame him for winning that award, though. Yes. No, I know why it happened. Like, they basically, people are like, well, you cobbled together a movie when the editor was, or the filmmaker was driven off the film due to disgraceful circumstances. So, but, oh, it's poorly edited. <laughs> and there's, there's like, the, there's, yeah, there's the clip that, that ever, I think everyone it's has seen so funny. of the. It's like a meeting at a meeting outside that's just like mm-hmm. unbearably badly edited. Uh, the rest of the movie is, I wouldn't say it's like 
interestingly edited, but it's not that like right. the whole yeah. movie isn't like that, which to his to his <laughs> credit, he's getting a bad rap for like a two minute <laughs> sequence. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, that scene though is, is so just yeah, over the top. You do feel kind of bad that it gets cherry picked, but oof. It's kind of bad enough uh, that I don't feel that bad. Anyway. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> so the actual bad movie that we're supposed to be talking yes, about. Yes, sorry. Well. Oh, yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody is a much worse movie than this. Oh, oh yeah. God, yeah. Yeah. If we're going to. Yeah. Mm-mm. Like, th- I don't even think this is a bad movie. I think that's a pretty good movie. Yeah. I think uh, it's a bad movie. <laughs> you think it's bad? I don't think it's good. Here's a question. How do you feel about the um, choice that Benicio Del Toro made Damn in it. terms of Jenna, his performance? I was, just about, I, was gonna, I was about to say there's two things. There's only two things I like in this movie. That's, yeah. One is I really like the buildup that um, happens not in the final scene with the stupid twist, but on the boat as they're like slowly starting to get picked off and realizing that this whole thing's a setup. That's a good I scene. Think that's a really good scene, I think, as far as the whole movie goes. And the other one is just how stupidly funny Benicio Del Toro oh my is. God. Uh, he's so funny. What he's is he doing? I don't know. Um, I will say, for years, this was the only thing, well, I guess for a couple of years, I had only ever seen him in This in Traffic. And so I'm like, that guy talks weird. And like <laughs> I, I thought when I saw Usual Suspects that that was just how Benicio Del Toro talked. And I'm like... How does he keep getting cast in things? And then, yeah, like I eventually saw interviews with him and was like, "Oh no, <laughs> that was that was a choice. That was something I'd, he." Did I'd on like purpose. to imagine the next thing you saw after Traffic and uh, Usual Suspects was The Last Jedi, and was just like, "He's getting worse." <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I eventually learned that he's just a, a man who uh, makes strong choices with his uh, performances. <laughs> yeah, I love him in this movie. I'll he's flip so, you yeah. for real. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, this morning watching, just I watched like the first hour, um, and it really stood out to me. And I, I like Gabriel Byrne too. Like I, I like the actors in this movie. I mean, he's I can fine. He vote. just plays Gabriel Byrne though. He he does, but you know he's good at it. Yeah, um, no, no, that's it's fine. I could take or leave a Baldwin. You know, Ugh. that's probably not the Pete Postlethwaite. Um, oh, he's good in everything. Yeah, yeah. I love uh, yeah. Um, I'd say actually the worst performance in the movie for me is Kevin Spacey's. It just feels so forced. It does. And you could, you know, again, once you know what the movie is doing. Isn't that like it, his thing, though? It kind of it, is. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, you go to Frank movie, Underwood. Right. And the movie also kind of invites you in retrospect to be like, oh, that's why he was so strange. You know, it's all part of the. But I sort of agree that while you're watching it, it's kind of mm. annoying as a performance. Um, yeah. Yeah. But there was one scene this morning where it was in one room talking to each other, uh, Chaz Palminteri, Dan Hedaya, and Giancarlo Esposito. And I was just like, man, just great character actors. Just this movie yeah. is filled with these great character actors in the smaller parts. Uh, it's one of the things that I think makes it fun to watch. Okay, one thing that drove me crazy going back through this movie was uh, Chaz, uh, how do you say his name? Chaz uh, Palm- Palminteri. Palminteri. Um, that is the worst police interrogation I've ever seen. There is no cross-examination. There is no, like, confrontational, like, actual, like, trying to get them to discuss more of the evidence or the story. Oh, my God. It's terrible. 
that was one of Ebert's big criticisms too. Was about the uh-huh. structure and the interrogation that he said he didn't think it made any sense. Sort of that it was just repetitive of like friendly, confrontational, and just sort of going through the same beats. Over yeah, but none of the confrontation like actually is going to be able to get any more information out of him. They're just kind of yelling at each other. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <sighs> anyway, so. But yeah, I, I'm sort of with Nick where I just think it's an entertaining movie. It's yeah. not great. I do think that without the twist, no one would even remember that it existed. It would be like any other sort of just 90s crime movie from that era that mm-hmm. you might see like on the whatever shelf at the store or something. But wouldn't have been nominated for two Oscars. That's for sure. <laughs> wouldn't have won two Oscars. That's true. Sorry. One, um, two Oscars. I mean, and I like Christopher McQuarrie, just to be Oh, clear. no. Like, Chris McQuarrie is a great stuff. writer. Yeah. yeah, he's a great writer. And he's turned into a decent director. So he must have been young, 25 years ago. Wow. Yeah, but um, yeah. Who, let me go back. I just had the Academy Awards page open for this. Um, who Who did Kevin Spacey beat again? Oh, great question. He beat... He beat Ed Helms in Apollo 13. Oh, which, Ed Helms? Ed Harris? Oh. <laughs> well, that's a different Apollo 13. <laughs> that would be a different Apollo 13. That, oh, that's unforgivable, maybe, to me. Yeah, because Ed Harris is damn good. Oh, this list is tough, yeah. Yeah, okay, read read too. out the list, because I can't okay. find it quickly enough. So, so, Best Supporting Actor in 95, Kevin Spacey won for The Usual Suspects. He mm-hmm. beat... Ed Harris in Apollo 13. Bullcrap. James Cromwell in Babe as Farmer Farmer Hoggett. He's so Um, good. Brad Pitt in 12 Monkeys. How? How do you beat Brad Pitt in 12 Monkeys? (laughs) And then um, a performance I've never seen, Tim Roth in Yeah, I had no idea who the fifth man was. You you know who Tim Roth is. Oh, well, I know who Tim Roth is. I don't uh, know the movie or the performance. Rob Roy is um, a historical biopic uh, movie starring Liam Neeson and Tim Roth. I want to say is the bad guy, but that's just me guessing. I have not. Nick, do you know this movie? I've never seen it. I'm familiar with it mm. because yeah. it's because of the alliteration. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's based on a you know a real Scottish dude from history who like led a clan and an uprising. It's like a pseudo. I don't want to compare it to Braveheart, but you know Scottish mm. people uh, gotcha. having tough times. Which ironically, Braveheart won the Best Picture that year, same year. <sighs> yeah, with yeah, no good reason. Really, but anyway, time for Scottish. And then I'm looking at uh, actually, technically, here? isn't Babe Scottish, or is that uh, just no. English? But it's Australian. It's a George Miller. Uh, yeah, but isn't it picture. set in England? I don't think so. James Cromwell's American, yeah, to my surprise. Wait, uh, is he, he seems like a British man. James Cromwell, yeah, he is American. He just seems he like he me... should be a kindly British man. I would have, I would have bet a thousand dollars he was British. <laughs> <laughs> I only know this because I looked it up like a couple of years ago. How do you beat? Yeah, I'm, but so, how re- do you beat yeah. James Cromwell, Ed Harris? And, yeah, Brad and Brad Pitt. Yeah, and those are all iconic performances. They're like, great. To this day, iconic. I mean, the Kevin Spacey one is kind of iconic, too. Like, it's, you know, people still talk about it, but, you know, problematic, Kevin Spacey. James Cromwell is six foot seven. He's, yeah, he's huge. He's, he's a tall man. Do either of you guys watch Succession? Does anyone know? Probably not. Nick does. Uh, I, I didn't do finish... Watch- yeah, I do. We we haven't finished season two because we like got distracted and are just like way behind. Sure, but yeah, he's he's yeah. He's, 
great. He's great in everything. He's great in that. Apparently, his character in Succession is like kind of like him personally. Like he's a super like sort of radical leftist hippie Hippie, guy. yeah. Yeah. Who's been arrested like a million times for protesting various things. So he's a seems like a good dude. Well, I, th- um, I think he became vegan or at least vegetarian after Babe. He was just like, you know what? Yes. The, the CGI pig did it for me. Yeah. They had real pigs, too, running around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. he No, he did. That is true. He's he's on the record saying he gave up meat after Babe. Anyway. You were doing screenplay. Right. Screenplay. Yes, screenplay. Uh, Chris McQuarrie won for Usual Suspects. Okay. Beating the screenplay for Braveheart. That's um, a bad screenplay. Mighty Aphrodite, the Woody Allen movie. Dylan's favorite movie, Nixon, Oliver Stone oh. <laughs> movie. And then, uh, and then, and then, Toy Story. Was how the final. do you beat Toy Story? That is like the best script ever written. There are seven credited writers as being nominated. I don't think you're allowed to nominate that many people as screenwriters anymore. That is out of control. But, For but Toy Story. Uh huh. Um, it it would mean that Joss Whedon would have an Oscar. He's uh, one of the credited writers on yeah. Toy Story. Which is weird, because so. the Toy Story script doesn't feel very Joss Whedon-y. No. I, haven't, I say no like I've seen Toy Story in 20 years. I haven't, but oh. <laughs> I think that's probably right. <laughs> to me, the Toy Story script is like a perfect script. This uh, These Oscars were a, a who's who of uh, people who've been me too in the last few years. I it's kind of true. Yeah, I mean the mid '90s, right? Is is mm-hmm. not <laughs> great, but yeah, you're going yeah, through. I gotta your... say, uh, James Cromwell, we stand a woke king. Yes, thank God. Yep. Um, but yeah, otherwise, it really is your Woody Allen's and your Mel Gibson's. And it's <laughs> not a very spaces, good. It's but... not a very good bunch of winners that year at all. Yeah, like Braveheart. Come on. Yeah. Come I mean, on. The, Best Picture lineup also included Apollo 13, Babe, and Sense and Sensibility, um, but yeah. also Braveheart and Il Postino. So that was a weird. Which one. I've never seen Il Postino, but you have you have three correct choices right there at least, and I you go either, with the incorrect choice. But the like the story of Il Postino's um, sort of. All of its nominations are like just very cynical. I think. I think there might have been like a Weinstein connection, and oh, the no. film, the filmmaker or the actor had had died recently, and so it, it may be good, but I feel like it was pretty oversold mm-hmm. that year. So, gotcha. Yeah, weird, weird Oscars. Weird. Well, one. the 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 '90s were a time to give weird Italian people Oscars with "Life <laughs> Is Beautiful" true. as well. It's true. All right, do we have any final thoughts on Usual Suspects so we can talk about our, our good movies? Yeah, do you just real quick ratings out of four? I'm going to get I'm going to go with thumbs down. Wow, our very first I I down. think it's kind of borderline, mm. but given we're trying to <laughs> go for a little bit of hate, be more critical. Yeah, I I, I don't I, I guess I can't really I'd say I can't really commit to a thumbs up, so I'll gotcha. I'll go thumbs down. All right, I, I'd go thumbs up. It's uh, I mm-hmm. enjoy it. Um, it's understandable. I'm not gonna choose to spend a yeah, ton of same. time with it, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And then how many stars, Dylan? Uh, I'll go two out of four. It's just kind of middle of the road for me. I'm gonna go two and a half. That's where I'm gonna go to. Uh, two and a half. So we're yeah. close. So you know, yeah. yeah, it's kind of kind there of. There we go. There the letterbox go. distribution gets knocked around a little. <laughs> You're bit. You're so worried that we're just gonna be too positive. <laughs> I like being positive. It's good. 
It's a good thing. I love being positive. Yeah. Just need to have a little bit of a diversity of content, you know. Fair Talk enough. about the greatest movies ever written, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, do you want to move on to our next we segment? We, we, might yeah. Need, yeah. Uh, we might need so, Dylan to explain what our next segment is. Yeah, I was going to send this to Dylan because are you considered Gen Z, Dylan? Are you late? Okay, so Gen Z technically starts, in most cases that I've seen, it starts in 1996. And I was born right in the middle of 1996. So you're an old Gen Zer. I'm an old Gen Z, super young millennial. So that's where I fit. I don't fit in either category. Yeah, same. We're more, yeah, Nick and I are more sort of old millennial. millennials, or I call myself an old millennial anyway, older. Yeah. So ex- yeah. explain to us what the fuck a paper plate award is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Paper plate awards are stuff like I mainly see given out in like classes at the end of the year or in dorm halls or stuff like that. Just like fun things to be like, uh, hey, who was the best dressed? Who was the silliest? Yada, yada. So it's, just, it's just superlatives. It's just what we would call, like, yearbook superlatives. Like, most yeah, likely kinda. to succeed, best dressed. My yearbook, my high school had, like, best eyes, which, like, okay. Um, we had very <laughs> stupid superlatives at my high school. Yeah, so, and people, because they just want to be cheap, they just take paper plates and they write on Sharpie the award and make them pretty. All um, right. And uh, so we're going to hand out some paper plates to each of the movies that we all hosted. So I'm going to throw it back to our episode host, Nick, because I don't like to host. So. Putting Nick on the spot. All right. uh, yeah. So may or may not be doing this totally wrong, but for 2001, my paper plate award is for the best omitted line. And it is the line, my God, it's full of stars, which was from the Arthur C. Clarke book. And it's actually. Yes. It's actually what opens the sequel film in i i hate the way that for whatever reason they decide to distort dave's voice um the line is pretty cool though Uh, i will say that that line is my favorite part of 2010 um but it's still (laughs) but (laughs) not because it's a great uh moment because i still don't like the way they do the voice it's kind of a cool line though uh but that being said i'm glad that they took that out before he goes on this uh you know sp- start through the stargate trippy blah 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 um I, th- I think it was a good decision to take that out so uh the best omitted line yeah from 2001 is my god it's full of stars uh dylan what is your paper plate award um well i just gotta say that was a great paper plate and so much <laughs> more thought out than any of my paper plate awards i'm gonna feel pretty crappy now um, my 400 bloats paper plate. Oh, my my next are gonna be real dumb. <laughs> my my favorite uh, my uh paper plate award for the 400 plows is gonna be most controversial final shot. Sure. No, I'm just kidding. I just wanted to get that for Nick's oh. reaction. Uh, I figured I was like, well, it was controversial on this podcast. <laughs> Nick's just so like, no, I'll allow it. No. <laughs> Nick's just picking his teeth with a toothpick. He is not having it. Uh. Anyway, my, my superlative was going to be the loneliest beach party I've ever seen in the 400 uh, blows at the very <laughs> Sure. <laughs> That's what I got. That's what stood out in the, mo- the most from the movie for me. So that's what I got. Jana, what is your eight and a half paper plate award? Um, so I actually uh, went 
the route you almost went there, and I gave uh, eight and a half the paper plate award for best final scene, um, mm. or as I said more fully, best final scene that greatly improves my view of the movie basically (laughs) best final scene that adds at least a half star to my rating of the movie otherwise Mm -hmm. Uh, i literally sat down and rewatched that final scene this morning i was like it's just so good like it just makes me happy watching the end of the movie and watching the rest of the movie didn't really make me that happy so (laughs) (laughs) you could say the same about the apu trilogy's ending though yeah yeah it's true but it's already a five before that Right, I, I was more on board throughout, whereas eight and a half, I was a little bit like, I don't know, and then the ending, I was like, ah, you got me, you got me with that ending. Uh, <laughs> all right, so where do we go after eight and a half? Oh, we're back to, to it's Nick. back to me. Yeah, so uh, just real quick, there's, um, I, I think the Criterion just added these um, a few days ago because I just got the disc like last week or two weeks ago of the Scorsese shorts. And there's one of his very first shorts from oh, right. 19, 1964 called It's Not Just You, Murray. And he makes a full-on eight-and-a-half, like, totally cribbing from eight-and-a-half style ending. But he did it just a year after eight-and-a-half came out, which is, like, he he really knew, he really knew like, wow. the significance, I think, of that of that movie at the time. So it's, it's a cool, it's a cool uh, little short. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, so my paper plate award, my paper plate award for Agira, the Wrath of God, is best number, and there were a few options. Uh, there was the number one hundred ninety-eight, which is how many pieces you'd be <laughs> cut up into, and there was also the year one hundred fifty-five, which is how long you would be locked up if you took extra corn. But I am going with the number ten, which is spoken by the decapitated head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is that is the best number in Akira for sure. Has Just to be. 10. Although the specificity of how many times they'll be cut up and smashed into pieces. Yeah, it's great. The specificity okay, makes yeah. it very special. Yes, for sure. All right. Well, my paper plate award for Ali, Fear Eats a Soul, is going to be Best Hour Song, which is the song that um, plays on the, the uh, jukebox Aww. while they dance the first time and the last time. Um, which it, it like it resolves the whole movie and almost like breaks the hatred between the two in the end it's just it's very sweet it is, it is almost magical in that way that as yeah. long as they play the song and dance to it again they're gonna <laughs> it overcome all... these massive problems they have looking back it almost feels ridiculous how much that song does in the movie it brings an old racist white lady and a <laughs> foreign <laughs> right. worker together uh, meeting each other and back together in their marriage so there you go i think it, out of all the best songs i think that's that, that's that's the one all right jana Fair all enough. about eve all right so for all about eve um i gave <laughs> i gave all about eve worst technical achievement award <laughs> for our favorite scene of um <laughs> the people walking outside the theater <laughs> also the C minus for effort award because what the hell was happening there I know I can't shut up about it um, but yeah they, I, I will say lots of good things about All About Eve later but for this one I had to had to knock it down a slight peg and say uh, worst, worst technical achievement for the mm-hmm. terrible terrible rear projection green screen whatever oh, situation that was, was very, very well deserved award <laughs> right so <laughs> I thought so. All right, we're back to Nick in the apartment. So uh, my award for the apartment is the best use of a suffix. 
and that is Baxter always uses the suffix wise. And my favorite time he does it <laughs> is when he says, I, I think it's in his apartment after Fran says, why can't I fall for someone like you? And he says, that's the way it crumbles cookie wise. I actually do like that line quite a bit. <laughs> that's a very good line. I thought you were going to go with worst use of a tennis racket. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I should have. As a kitchen utensil. should have. It still makes me so mad. <laughs> <laughs> I was so nervous, Nick, with you getting the apartment for the your award. I was going to be like, what is he going to do to hurt my feelings once again? But I will say, uh, that's the way it crumbles cookie-wise, is it's just a very good line. That's like, a it, wonderful the, line. Yeah. Could you imagine that, that guy trying out. to make, like, fucking pancakes I... with a tennis racket? <laughs> Anyways, Dylan, what's, what's, your, what's your paper plate? All right, back to me for... Uh... Jumping out of order for a Oh, yeah, because we went out of order yeah. for for those two. I, yeah, we swapped so that poor Dylan would not have to talk too much about Apocalypse Now. Um, I went Still so with, grateful. I went with um, the most meta moment for Apocalypse Now, um, which is a joint award of um, naming the generals R. Corman and G. Lucas, mm-hmm. and then also Coppola playing himself as a director <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> So Those are most great. meta <laughs> moments in Apocalypse Now. I think you guys really got the hang of these paper plate awards. I must say, you guys will be stressed over them enough. So I hope so. <laughs> We're like honorary Gen Zers. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We're youthful at heart. For for my uh, Apu trilogy award. Okay, I have a I have a serious one, and I have a, a more fun one. The serious one is. Uh, best i don't know if i should say best but like most parenting award because sure. it's not all great parenting like what the, the, the mom beats the uh, druga at the beginning and Apu almost abandons his only son but there's a mo- lot of moments of great parenting and again when i think of apu the trilogy i think a lot about the parenting aspect of it um, I think the real award I'm going to give it to, though, is just the best animals. They have the best animals. How could it not get the best animals award? That's true. I, I couldn't agree more. The kittens, the monkeys, the dogs, the cows. Is there a cow? I think there's a cow. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's a yeah. cow. There's cows, in the at least in the first yeah. one. Yeah. And there's a pig, I think. Probably. Oh, that pig gets hit by a train, though. Is there a bush baby, though? Oh. <laughs> yeah. And, and the monkeys, I don't know if the monkeys in the Apu trilogy are as cute as the uh, monkeys at the end of the game. No. Yeah. no. <laughs> that, 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 okay. Okay. It's a close call. I still, I still think Apu has the best, the best yeah. animals overall. You know if, what? If just for the kittens and the dog. Yeah. Aguirre can actually give it a run for its money, though. It could yeah. be a two horse race. Yeah. There you go. But, but Apu wins by a length. I think anyway. that's fair. All right. So those are, those were. Yeah, those were our paper plate awards. Next, we're moving on to the fashion show corner where we highlight some of our favorite uh, items of fashion and outfits from these movies. So I, again, will start with 2001 A Space Odyssey. And I'm going to go with um, the... Your pick has to be so obvious. It might not be. Oh, wow. <laughs> I- I'm going with the the the, the flight attendant. And, and what oh, they come were with, on. The pan, with the Pan that's, Am. That's a good call. They have the best candy-colored spacesuits in movie history, and you're like, you know what? That flight attendant wear, that's what's up. The Pan Am thing just is so funny to me. 
that I, I can't I can't not go with the absurd uh, commercialization of the year 2001. I like that. Yeah, that's fair. I should have known Nick would have just broken stride and went super funny. With I was gonna it. say even with the candy colored um, spacesuits, I feel like if you were gonna call those out, you have to specifically say like when he has the mismatched helmet. Like that's really the fashion highlight. Yes. Would be the mismatched yes. colored helmet. Uh, once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but the the pick is the Pan Am ripoff <laughs> flight attendant. It's good. And it's important, you know, plot wise in terms of what it tells us about society. Of course. All right. Done. Mm-hmm. Four hundred blows, and there is a wrong answer to this one. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> there is a correct answer, and it's the fucking goggles. Specifically, the goggles yes. when they are in broken uh, form. I'm going to specify sure, that. Sure. It, 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 it just accessorizes them even more for your daily obnoxious right. French child. Like. So your pick was not his mom's tight sweater. That was not going to be <laughs> your fashion. No, Unlike no, Ebert. Which is obviously what seemed to be <laughs> yeah. Ebert's pick. That's mm. Ebert's fashion corner. <laughs> I do also like like the jacket he wears. His sort of very warm. The jacket. I almost. Like, okay. I was right really color. like. He has the best jacket. jacket. But. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, when you said there was a wrong choice, I was like, oh, no, I'm going to no. pick the goggles. No, it's and the, she's it's the mom's tight sweater. It the stupidest <laughs> it's the goggles. wrong choice. Okay. Gotcha. 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 I'm calling Ebert out. All right, so it's me, eight and a half. It's easy. It's the sunglasses. It's uh, Guido's just yeah. rocking those sunglasses. Um, there's some other good outfits. I like uh, his mistress. The girlfriend's hats. Yeah, the mistress, like when she rides on the train and her hats with the veils and things. There's there's plenty of good fashion to go around. But the sunglasses, I mean, that's iconic. Mm-hmm. So hard to go wrong. Yeah, so my next one for Agira, I'm, I may need you guys to like help me decide because... I'm still torn between the lavender tunic or the absurd outfits that <laughs> it's the a two tough women call. wear when they're trudging through the jungle. It's it's a really tough call. I mean, Aguirre's purple tunic situation is obviously also kind of iconic, but um, I really appreciate the collar the one woman wears that looks like a big, oh, such really, a big I don't collar. even know what to call it, but it's like around her neck at one point. That's a, a real standout fashion item to me. I got to go with the, the, the purple. Uh, <laughs> or the lavender. Aguirre. Yeah. So, Nick, it's back to you. You got to break the tie. <laughs> I don't know. Don't make me choose. You can make it a tie. I'll, I'll, I'll allow a tie. You know, sure. Yeah, I, I, I got to go tie because they're, they're, yeah. they're, all, they're all equally ridiculous. Yeah. It's one of the, that's one of the better fashion movies in terms yeah. of just being a real yeah. feast for the eyes of all the ridiculous outfits. So. Mm-hmm. All right, Jana. No, it's uh, you. We're at oh, Ali. oh, this is obvious because I went all in on this fashion pick in the in the podcast where we discussed it. But it's uh, Ellie's um, ridiculously colorful uh, blouses that she wears, especially the first one that's like all the primary colors and then invents primary colors, it's like geometric patterns to- and all yeah. the colors. It's great. <laughs> I I can't get over her, that. Like, I'll never get dresses. over that. I need to get just like a T-shirt version of it. Of, like, the same fabric and just wear that. She I'll looks look styling. So... I think she looks good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll look so fit in it. But, no, I wouldn't be able to pull that <laughs> off. <laughs> anyway. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's got to be my pick. Jenna, you got All About Eve. All About Eve. Very easy. It's the dress that Margot wears at the birthday Ugh. party with the brooch. I mean, it's, it's like, 
iconic movie fashion. It's, you know, when you it's picture that movie, when you picture Betty Davis, at least me, like that's what I picture is that dress with the big sparkly brooch. And she looks amazing and it's perfect costuming. Um, and people look good throughout that movie and there's some good fur coats and things like that. But that's that's what it's got to be for me. All right. Next, got to go for the apartment. <laughs> so for the apartment, do do accessories count? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Accessories count. I mean, I did sun- okay. we did sunglasses and goggles, so. Does a mirror count as an accessory? <laughs> the cra- <laughs> yeah, I'd actually count that. Sure, sure. Okay, good. Because I did not want to have to pick his hat. Yeah, that's something okay, you I'm carry going with on the your mirror person. Then, beca- yeah. Yeah, yeah, I will go with a, a France cracked mirror. It's mm. how we all feel. That's good. Mm-hmm. Inside. Jenna, you get a really all interesting right. one with Apocalypse now. So... Okay, so yeah. I have my pick, and I warned you guys I was going to have visual aids at one point in the podcast. So, um, yeah, I, you know, my, my runner-up, I will tell you, was, um, uh, what's his name, uh, the cavalry hat at the of beginning. Of course. I uh, thought that was going to be the pick, actually. Right? That's my runner-up. That's my runner-up. Um, I, <laughs> but I went instead with the... Um, our, our favorite, most intense uh, actor in the film, Dennis Hopper's photographer character. Uh, my dark horse pick for best Apocalypse Now fashion. I'm going to remind you what he looks like. Yeah. Because then I have like a bit to do. Um, Actually. All right. I put it in our. I was prepared for you to come in and say the Calvary hat. And I was going to argue for Dennis Hopper's incredible look ah! in itself. This is so thrilling. It's. There you go. Um, It's the best look. And then I just want to take a moment to shout out what I think is, and you can tell me if I'm totally off base here, but what I think is maybe the weirdest reference I've ever encountered. Um, You guys know I'm fans of a very silly video game called Animal Crossing, where I have a little island and I have little animal friends. There is a character in the Animal Crossing universe whose name is Harv, and he's a hippie, and he's a photographer. (laughs) And he looks like this. <laughs> Tell me his outfit is not inspired by <laughs> the Dennis Hopper outfit. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? For Even down to the facial to this, hair. We're looking at a picture of a cartoon dog <laughs> who's a hippie who has the same, like, headband, sunglasses, facial hair combo of Dennis Hopper's photographer character in Apocalypse Now. Um it's been cracking me up. He's for even weeks, got the headband, so. which I, to me, yes. to me, the headband makes makes the character. The headband is what sells it. The headband, I'm and like, it's the exact same pattern a, from what I'm looking at. Yeah, I'm like, is this an Apocalypse Now <laughs> reference in this uh, children's video game that I play? I think so. Um, but yes, uh, the, even that aside, thank you for humoring my uh, visual aids. Um, I just, I just love the pop of color, literally and figuratively, that Dennis Hopper brings when he shows up in his hippie gear. It's great. No, he's a, he's a photographer who has a little island that you can travel to to uh, take pictures with your little island <laughs> friends. It's even sillier than it sounds, believe it or not. Sounds wonderful. Um, but I just crack up whenever I see him because I'm like, that. that's just, that's just Dennis Hopper <laughs> hanging out. Um, Dennis Hopper's character, by the way, does not have a name as far as I can tell. He's just like the photographer mm. or the photojournalist. I tried to find his name today oh, okay. uh, so I could shout him out. and was like, nope, I think he's just the photographer uh, when they get to uh, the island there. So, 
All right, that is that is the end of my fashion corner, and now you got to go a poo trilogy, Dylan. Yep. Well, Jana picked up all our spirits and happiness with uh, the Apocalypse <laughs> Now pick. I'm gonna go with the bread necklace from Pater Panchali. Sure, sure. I mean, Just break the that's hearts. probably the most important yeah. piece of fashion. Yeah. Ugh, that's most significant. Yeah, anyway. but I almost went with the shawl that Har- Hari Har brings home for Jurga after she's dead. Oh. Oh god, that's dark. I forgot he's like taking the shawl out of the bag and look. And it's like zooming in on the shawl, and then it cuts to the mom just like mom just collapsing. Yeah, yeah, fun movie, fun times. I'm trying to think if there's I I I think my the two ones I was thinking about was from Poto Panchali, but is there anyone from Aparajito or a person Sahar? Outfits don't really stand out so yeah. much i think because they just dress very yeah simply. They, they, i think they costume yeah. it very well but there's not like one ridiculous oh, yeah. like oh look at dennis hopper's right. stupid hippie headband R- right exactly it wouldn't fit in if all of a sudden there was like some character with some crazy ostentatious mm-hmm. outfits so. actually i could just say the entire uh aperna look in a sensar for her wedding day is the- gorgeous oh, sure. absolutely gorgeous yeah. She looks wonderful. That is, yeah, that's definitely the, I don't mean, like, flashiest sounds like it has a weird connotation, but that's definitely, like, the, mm-hmm. you know, most standout of the outfits. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's it, yeah. So um, I saw you put this other note in here. Does Nick have some other uh, stuff to share with us? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've what, got a, a letterbox list corner, but before that, yeah, before that, I, I crunched some numbers and I went through all of our episode lengths and found mm-hmm. out how they compare to the lengths of the movies. So the shortest, oh, yeah. obviously, was um, the Apu trilogy. Uh, our episode was only 40% as long as okay. Okay. Uh, the Apu Hold trilogy on. as a whole. We had to completely alter our usual structure for that podcast because if it was anywhere near the length, everyone would have turned it off by hour two. You didn't want to do a, a six-hour-long podcast? No, no, no. no, that wasn't. So, the besides cards. the Apu trilogy, yeah. what's next? Well, we, <laughs> we so we did get forty percent of three movies, though. Um, next is at two-thirds of the length of the movie, eight and a half. Mm, that makes sense. And then, yeah, yeah, and then two thousand one Apocalypse Now, all about Eve, the apartment. Um, Ollie Fear Eats the Soul, and then the two reviews that we did that were actually longer than the movies were relatively short movies, uh, two of the three shortest mm-hmm. movies we did. Um, 400 Blows, which was 105.1% the length <laughs> of the movie itself, and Agira the Wrath of God, which was 108.5% the length of the movie. Wow. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. I can't wait until we get to Unchien and Dalo and have it be like 500% of the movie length. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah. even um, our next movie, Battleship Potemkin, right? Is That's like, like a short 70. film technically yeah, by nowadays. Like it's, it's, I, I mean, it's, it's, barely, it's barely feature length. It's like 70 minutes We're going to crush so. the ratio on that one. <laughs> we setting some new records. Yeah. That's funny. All right, so Nick, you have your letterbox corner. <laughs> yeah, so I like to do silly letterbox, like absurdly specific letterbox lists. So I came up with six for oh, wow. um, for this span of nine movies. 
The first is the best black and white debut film about a child whose story spanned multiple films as he aged, in which the child has trouble with the school teacher, has an abusive mother, and asks his father for money. Uh, my runner-up is Pather Panchali, but my winner is 400 Blows. No! No! Oh, no. oh so close. What a twist. I will not stand for the blasphemy that's going uh, on on this podcast right now. Hey, he, he gave Pather Panchali runner-up, you know? That's, that's yeah. to be commended. It's two, two of two. Yeah, uh, <laughs> my second category is best, best black and white semi-autobiographical movie involving a child going to a prostitute but not having sex with them. <laughs> The runner-up is eight and a half, but the winner, again, is 400 Blows. <laughs> Man, 400 Blows is just running away with this. <laughs> I feel like Nick is just rigging these categories yeah, to specifically up. benefit uh, his 400 Blows. Everyone is just 400 Blows. Yeah. Uh, the next one is best movie about traveling through a dangerous jungle, including someone getting killed with a spear and commenting on it while they die. And the movie had a complicated production, including the director threatening to commit suicide and the actor uh, who played the protagonist had a child who grew up to star in the movie Terminal Velocity. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm going to put the runner up. I'm going to go. You know what? I'm going to give it a tie. It's a Uh, it's a tie between Apocalypse Now and A Year of the Wrath of God. I can't choose. That's fair. You just can't decide between those two. Because honestly, I, I ranked these movies and I keep I keep swapping places, and uh, I don't want to be I don't want to be held down to any one thing. Uh, <laughs> Fair <laughs> the enough. Next category is best movie featuring a scene where somebody repeatedly slaps themselves in the face over and over. And in the movie, a much older woman plays the object of desire for a much younger man who is scolded because of it, and later has health manifestations related to his mental problems. And a person of color is sexually objectified. I am going with the runner-up being <laughs> Ollie Furious the Soul, but the winner is eight and a half. Because <laughs> <laughs> the little kid like slaps his face when they're seeing the Saragina. Yeah, that's Which true. Which is like my favorite part. <laughs> <of the movie. laughs> that's a pretty good part. Oh, uh, my number five is the best use of Wagner. Eight and a Ugh. half loses out, of course, to Apocalypse Now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think Adam Dillon six. can't fight that, I don't think. I mean, we all know how I feel about Wagner, and we know that those yeah, aren't my general. two favorite movies, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now, this one, this one, I've got to say, I'm pretty proud of how ridiculous <laughs> The other ones weren't uh, as ridiculous? I, I was going to say, yeah, this this is the real case. No, the <laughs> others are pretty straightforward. Uh, the best film that won the best or oh, hold on <laughs> the best film that won the first best picture oscar of the decade where someone named baxter who earned a lead acting oscar nomination lies about stuff to benefit themselves professionally and the movie's drink of choice is a martini <laughs> the runner-up is the apartment but the winner is all about eve they both had baxters there's so many baxters in this marathon uh, yes yes oh my god Nick, you, you, you really, you really killed it this time. You should be proud. Yeah, that was very, very impressive. Round of applause. Woo. Oh, okay. goodness. So we're All jumping right. into our awards. We're going to do script, uh, actor, actress, supporting actress, supporting actress, and directors. So we're going to start off with script. Um, what did you guys like? Kind of want to point out, or where, where are you guys headed for this? 
So for me, I always struggle with best screenplay um, or best script because, um, by the way, I'm going to give a whole preamble and then just totally lean into the problem I'm describing <laughs> anyway. So be ready for that. But I feel like too often best screenplay is, um, you know, people, it's like all about like, well, are the lines good? Like yeah, how, the talkiest the dialogue one. like. Right. Mm-hmm. And script and screenplay is so much more than that. This is, um, and not to totally derail us, but like this is the big argument people always have about like Titanic, for example when whether or not it should have gotten a screenplay Oscar and like, oh, well, but you know, the dialogue in that is so hacky and terrible. It's like, well, dialogue aside, like we're talking about the construction of a story and how it guides you through and the plot elements and everything. Um, and so I usually really sort of stick to that in terms of the underrated aspects of a really good screenplay. Anyway, all of that being said, um, I... I mean, I don't know if I want to say my winner right now. Or if we I, I think we should each give our first, own personal but... nominations and then kind of collectively decide on a winner. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I didn't really do sort of like tons of nominations, but I basically boiled it down to, I suppose. Um, sorry, Dylan Apocalypse Now. <laughs> and um, I know. Um, All About Eve and 2001 mm. were my uh, sort of finalists. And so... Um, and I, I think you can kind of tell that, you know, 2001, not the most dialogue heavy mm-hmm. of films. And I do think it's interesting. We haven't really talked about it, um, that much so far. Um, but you know, then all about Eve is it's all dialogue. It's all yeah. quippy. It's all great lines. That kind of is the strength of that movie. And then I think apocalypse now is kind of in between. I think it's a lot about the structure, but so much of what people remember about it is, you know, the, the dialogue and the lines as well so Mm. um, i try to look at it from both ways and i try to really not get too hung up on just what i think has the most clever dialogue but i also know that's what appeals to me so Mm. (laughs) those were my top ones i was considering Mm. um what about you dylan if i'm gonna give a couple shout outs i'm gonna shout out 2001 as well um as a runner-up um i'm gonna shout out the apu trilogy as another runner-up um i think I find it hard to really general. I mean, I never read the uh, source material, but I feel like it's very hard to really adapt something that stays uh, true to like the original thing while also feeling like its own artistic creation. Mm-hmm. I-, I think a Pooh trilogy really succeeds in that way. Um, but I think my personal favorite script um, was the apartment. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> If Apocalypse Now for you is kind of an ug for me, I can't even imagine how Nick feels about me giving mine to the apartment. I, I, I just, I think it crafted the best story while having the best dialogue as well, so. In fairness, the uh, script of the apartment is not what bothers me most about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 uh, I know. They, they did have to write in there, though, that, like, for... Baxter st- strains the spaghetti with a tennis racket, that, though. That's true. That was probably in the script. Disqualifying. Um for for me and i agree with um jana i agree with your points about like it's not always necessarily the talkiest or the best the quippiest lines shouldn't necessarily make best script that being said for me um it's got to be all about eve like it's the only it's the only one that i even like wrote down uh the script to all about eve is like so much happens in I guess it is like slightly over two hours, but still like so much emotion happens and there's all these like twists and turns and backstabbing and 
every character's uh, like motivations, I think, make sense. And the quips are so good. Yeah. Yeah. The thing about the bees. <laughs> the thing about the bees. <laughs> Honestly, if, if I, I was very close to give, I, I had the apartment in it, which was already like the very talky film of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I think I'd have maybe nominated All About Eve. I, I feel pretty confident in personally saying that we can give the collective award to All About Eve as the best script. Yeah, that that's my that's my number okay. one for sure. Mm-hmm. As long as it doesn't go to Apocalypse Now. Okay. Yeah, it's my number one. So, <laughs> so, it's a, so a you block Apocalypse Now, I block the apartment. We all come to agree on all of us. <laughs> it's all strategic. All right. Next up, uh, supporting actor. Um, I'll start. I had a couple thoughts, and I'll tell you where I'm leaning. But this is the one that I felt like the 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 least. Um, strongly about I guess or the one that I like I didn't I don't feel the most passionate I, I feel like it wasn't that great a a best actor pool really no I I, I completely agree. this was the weakest category yeah. I think for whatever reason this batch it just doesn't have a ton yeah. of standout supporting mm-hmm. actor performances so um I, I really like um Douglas Rain as how. Oh, that was and, my and I do yeah. I do oh. like to push for the, yeah I do like to push for the voice only performances because I think they do um, get a little bit underrepresented. Mm-hmm. Um, I like which which one was the husband in? Uh, I, I <laughs> still getting those two confused. In in um in in all about Eve, uh, uh, Gary Merrill. Gary Merrill. The, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I thought was a really good. Yeah, yeah, that's a good pick. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the one I'm leaning towards now, and, and I'm not going to be as passionate about this pick as I was about all of, all about E for script. Um, mm-hmm. but it, for me, it's hard to go against Bobby Duvall mm-hmm. in Apocalypse Now. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll just go next cause I basically have the exact same <laughs> group oh, really? and winner. Yeah. <laughs> Nick and I are already nice. lining up a bunch. Um, yeah, no, I basically like, I, I agree. I sat down to look at this make these lists and I was like man there's just not much in the way of supporting actor and for me it was basically you know it was Bill from All About Eve the Gary Merrill character and then Robert Duvall like was one of the most iconic performances um, you know that just was I mean, hey Dylan it could be worse we could be saying George Sanders uh, as Addison DeWitt <laughs> from All About Eve and oh, really sure. just trying to <laughs> oh, <sure>. stir trouble <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I I thought about the same thing, and I just I love Robert Duvall. Are you movie. are you he's so good? Are you negating Douglas Rain as Hal though? Come on. Um no, I also I will say I did not think of Hal. Um, I am a terrible person who does not think about voice performances all that much. Um, but it is really <laughs> good. I I am open to Hal as a uh, pretty good contender. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, I mean if if that performance doesn't work, that movie doesn't it's work. True. And so, in in that sense, um, pretty pretty key. I mean, you know, I think Apocalypse Now, if it didn't have Robert Duvall, would be a not as good of a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but two thousand one would not work without that Hal performance. So I hear that. Um, I have a question: Is Apocalypse mm-hmm. is uh, Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now a supporting performance? I think so. Do you think he's a co lead? I don't know why it. I don't know why I didn't think of him. <laughs> Even as, uh, like, he's so good. Yeah, my supporting uh, 
group was Marlon Brando from Apocalypse Now and then Douglas Rain is my winner um, from 2001. I think I think you really got got to the the head of it, which was, you know, um, Bobby Duvall in uh, Apocalypse Now. Like it's a it's a very solid performance, but like it wouldn't be the same like sort of movie. Um, yeah, they could work without him. If if he wasn't in it, the movie would more or less still yeah, work. Yeah, but this wouldn't be as at good. At least with but... both Hal and Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now, like they need those performances to work, and both of them are like pitch perfect, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I don't know what the collective winner is going to be here, but what do you guys think? I mean, you've made a good case for for Hal. I feel bad. I keep forgetting the guy's name. Who Douglas Hal. Rain. Douglas Rain. Thank you. Uh, Douglas yeah. Rain. Uh, I think you've made a good case. I would. I would be fine. Do I make a good case for Marlon Brando too? You made a great case for Thank Marlon you. Brando too. I don't know. What do you think, Nick? Yeah. I kind of want to give it to Douglas Rain, even though I, I I do think that like maybe Brando is the best out of all yeah. these. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, it's like a heart versus head type thing. <laughs> like my heart just really wants to give it to Douglas Rain because, like, we, like I right. we, he needs... people barely know his name. Right, That's... exactly. Yeah, he needs uh, more accolades. Everyone knows Brando's Brando. got all yeah. the awards. We can give the yeah. Great Movies uh, podcast supporting actor award to Douglas Rain. That, that's very that's very true. We should really try to focus yeah. our energies uh, <laughs> on the more underappreciated. And then we will go to all the other yeah, acting I... categories and give it to big name people. Well, well, hey, we'll see. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, no, because I'm going to push real hard on this next one to not. Um, so, no, I feel good about that, though. I feel good about giving that Douglas Ray, actually. Yeah. Um, uh, supporting actresses. Um, what, uh, Jana, what are your thoughts? Uh, okay, so um, supporting actress, I think, unlike supporting actor, uh, tons of good yes. options, really. I mean, obviously, when you have when you have freaking All About Eve, which like you know had multiple nominations in these actual categories. Are we counting Ann Baxter as a lead or a supporting? Um, I think I count her as a lead. Um, okay, I would. I, too. I'm just following the Oscars <laughs> lead there. Um, I think I count her as a lead, but you know, shout out to Thelma Ritter, Birdie, uh, from. All About Eve with a small but memorable performance. Um, you know, there's a lot, well, not so much in Apocalypse Now or 2001, but the rest <laughs> of the movies have um, really good standouts. I wanted to mention, and I have to check her name again, um, Anouk Ami, is that how you pronounce it? The wife in Eight and a Half, mm. um, who I think shows mm-hmm. up and really brings a lot to that movie. And I part that could be kind of thankless um but for me assuming i hope this isn't like a gigantic miscategorization if we're gonna have a category fight here um but i went with karuna Banerjee from yep. the apu trilogy like right she's not a lead right no, that's she's supporting it. okay that is right. it the, the conversation's okay. done right there right it's kind of open or shut like or open and shut like that's it it's the sort of supporting performance mm-hmm. especially if we're counting all three mm-hmm. as um like she's arguably a co-lead in the second one yeah but if we're counting all three 
sort of holistically, then she has a supporting performance in the trilogy, I would say. And yeah, it's just phenomenal. Yeah, I, I wanted to shout out um, Sharmila Tagore from World of Apu, who plays Aparna the wife. Um, I think that uh, the older teenage um, Durga yes. is really good. Actually, both of the Durga. Durgas are very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but Uma Dasgupta is the slightly yeah. older um, Durga. And then uh, Anouk Amy was the other person that I uh, had singled out as uh, wanting mm-hmm. to mention from Eight and a Half. But I was I was ready to go to the mat if you guys, as long as no. it wasn't a category Me issue. Too. Um, if we were counting yeah, uh, yeah. Karuna Banerjee, I, I was ready. I was ready to throw down. Uh, on <laughs> so I'm glad that we're all uh, we're all in sync on this. I was not expecting a fight. I just assumed that. Yeah, I assumed this was going to be our easiest uh, easiest one, most consensus. Yeah, I had two runners up, which was Sharmila Tagore and uh, yeah Uma Dasgupta, as like those are great, but. Yeah. Like Karuna Ban, I'd say arguably, I'm trying to figure out if I want to go here, but I'd arguably say Karuna Banjuri was the best performance of any actor at all throughout all the nine movies that we've seen so far. Like, that was it for me. I mean, it's up there. That was it for me. It's it's up there. Yeah, it is funny that the Apu trilogy, like between between the Apu trilogy and All About Eve, like mm-hmm. it's just a, a wealth. Oh of- yeah supporting actresses <laughs> like just tons of actress performances to pull from which i wasn't expecting when i sat down to watch the apu trilogy you know i didn't think i was gonna see all these great uh female performances so that was yep. cool it, if you died on a poo yeah, yeah that's <laughs> true and then r.i.p to all of them <laughs> we'll throw you a nomination so next up is best director dylan uh who are you thinking of for best director I cannot figure this out, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I. You seem so stressed. So, okay, here's the thing. I think the obvious pick is uh, it's it's Stanley Kubrick, right? It's Mr. Kubrick for 2001. But I think a lot of the visual languages in that movie comes from the special effects and the, the set design just as much as the the director had a say in how that movie looked and how it felt. And so I kind of feel like I want to shout out a director that it was really wholly like their vision and their, their own personal director story. And I think it's either apartment or a poo trilogy. Honestly, I think it's a Pooh trilogy. I think it's Ray. I'm gonna go with Ray. But I, I know, I know, I know the collective winner is gonna be Mr. Kubrick. But yeah, I'm going Satyajit Ray. What do you think, Jenna? Um, I actually had Ray written down as yes! well. Um, I had with, but the with the other ones I wanted to shout out being obviously Stanley Kubrick. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's not forget our good buddy. Uh, no, Werner Herzog. Let's not oh. let's not let Herzog uh, get yeah. lost in the shuffle here. Who, um, and I say this as a huge fan of Apocalypse Now, did a lot of that, but you know, first. So um, and better. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I just I you know in terms of vision and again. The thing with the Herzog thing and the Coppola thing is it's like it's not about how hard it was to make your movie um, in terms of your directorial achievement. But I do think 
especially considering like what Herzog had to work with. Like that movie looks amazing. Oh, it, it uh, looks so good, right? Like it looks and the so final good. Uh, like dolly shot of the. It's not a dolly actually. Well, is that, but you, know, you know the shot of the that. the raft as or the crane kind of, shot or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's a crane shot. Yeah, some of that some of that imagery of the oh, yeah of the incredible. the river from overhead and even like the opening shot of um, yeah. them just walking mm-hmm. through. You know, there's a lot of images from um, that movie. And you know, directing is not obviously just images. It's the performances that you get out of people and and things like yeah. that. So shout out to um, Werner Herzog. But I actually did have Ray down as well. Um, pretty much because I was not necessarily prioritizing just the visual language of the films, even though I think the visual language in the Apu trilogy is good. Um, you know, again, working with, you know, some first-time performers, some people who had only acted a little bit or not in a long time, um, and with the resources that he had to tell that story that he ended up telling across those three films, I think is just a incredible accomplishment. Yeah, I'm... I'm leaning mostly the same way i i do think that um coppola shouldn't be undersold as just uh, a guy who had to do like crazy things because he did have to deal with a lot of um not just like his own psychological issues but other issues like a war going on yeah, the, that used his helicopters and brando doing brando being brando There's that. <laughs> uh, and dennis hopper like if you've seen behind the scenes interview or, or footage of like Coppola trying to talk to Hopper, um, he 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 was actually that character. Uh, so um, he he's one I considered. But well, and it's just the story that we talked about with like Brando showing up on set, you know, being hugely yeah. overweight and stuff, and Coppola being like, "Okay, how do I make this work for the movie?" <laughs> like he he had some challenges put in front of him. Yeah, so for me, it's it's definitely between um, Kubrick and Satyajit Ray, though, and I'm I'm totally fine with uh, throwing it Ray's way. Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm not going to put up a fight for that because I I do plan on putting up a fight for the next category. So I'm trying to like make you happy ahead of ahead of uh, us going into best actor. Oh no! Oh, I'm excited. Thank you, Nick. I was going to be totally fine if you guys gave it to Kubrick, though. It was it was close. It was very close for me. So best actor, and um, I'll I'll take the lead on this one just so I can try to like poison the well ahead of time. Uh, the the best actor. I've seen a few movies just in the last few months um, that star Jean-Pierre Laude and spanning over like year, like decades of his life. Cause um, I watched Arma Vep, which is from, it's a, a Maggie Chung, Olivia Asayas movie from like the mid to late nineties. So he's what? 40 years older almost compared to what he is. 400 blows is uh, like by far the best performance mm-hmm. of his that I've seen. And for me, that is the performance of, you know, this season of movies that we've done. It, it makes that movie, it makes like, it's, it was my favorite thing of any of these movies. I just adore that performance. It's so real. Like it feels absolutely real. I I don't believe that Jean-Pierre Layot is not actually that character. Um, I, I just, I can't say enough about it. I've thought about it so much. We watched that movie like two months ago and I still think about it like all the time. It's, it's so great. And I will be profoundly upset if you guys uh, make me pick anyone else for this award. All right. Well, I'm going to go next. Cause I have, 
<laughs> Actually, I have four four nominees. Um, and I'm I feel bad because I'm not gonna nominate uh, Marcelo Mastroianni or uh, Klaus Kaninsky. Those are the <laughs> only two people on my list, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my two. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think they're very like iconic performances. You know, and I'm not going to nom- picks. That's what you're saying. You're saying my picks are basic. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just, I guess I, they're like, when I think of those movies and actually I should say apocalypse. Now I think of the lead actors in mm-hmm. those movies, but I don't think they're the performances that personally moved me the most. Um, I think I'm going to throw out there. Um, Jack lemon from the apartment. I think he's very good in that movie. I actually don't have a, I don't have any problem with him in that movie. Nick's at all. face looked like he just ate a sour ass <laughs> grape. Like, yeah, it smelled something terrible. Yeah, uh, Nick, what what do you think about us nominating Jack Lemmon for best actor? You can nominate him all you want. Like, be my guest, but <laughs> no comment is basically like you're gonna like, do what you're gonna do. Like the Academy, uh, I I will not stand for him winning. You <laughs> will get up and walk out. I okay. This is the problem is a poo. I think I'm going to nominate Sumitra Chatterjee, but it's one of these things like he's technically only in a third of the movies or do we take all the apoos as the character and You can't nominate? take all the apoos. Okay. I know we put all three movies together. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that, it's, it's just tough. <laughs> Either way, I think Sumitra Chatterjee blows the other two apu performances out of the water. I kind of like Teenage Apu. We didn't really talk about it. No, no, no. Teenage Apu is great. No, I just, I wanted to bring it up because we didn't really get a chance to talk about it too much in the episode. I feel like he's kind of underrated, uh, mm-hmm. Teenage Apu. He's, he's got... A the lazy post- college like, student. He nails that Yeah, role. he's got the right energy, even though it's mm-hmm. an obnoxious energy. Anyway, all right. But yes, no. Uh, Chatterjee, the adult Apu, is, is fair. Yeah. Um... This is going to be a really under-the-radar pick, but the more I think about Kira Duella in 2001, the more I'm just kind of blown away by how, like, rigid Kubrick made all the people act in 2001, trying to make this whole sort of, like, uh, it's a less human, futuristic world. And I'm just, I'm really shocked how well Kira Duella is able to act, given these sort of constraints of really hampering the acting in that movie in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I also nominated Jean-Pierre Lyot. <laughs> you don't have to sound so mad about it. <laughs> I I had I had Kier as um supporting, but I didn't mention him just because he, he he's coexisting in the same movie as the guy who we ended up giving the award to. Um but I th- I found him more as yeah, supporting yeah. than a lead. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I I don't know why, but he could be the performance I've thought the most about just because I think it's so incredible what he did with the constraint, the constraints, yeah. but yeah, I'll nominate Jean-Pierre Leo as well. Um, I think my personal winner is going to be Sumitra Chatterjee though. Um, but, uh, and it's interesting because we already know Jana's <laughs> nominations. I, I'm, I'm not, I don't have the energy to have like a whole Klaus Kinski fight, but just very quickly to talk about like the movie doesn't work without X factor or whatever, which is true for most lead performances, but like, that that perform it's crazy like it's crazy that is crazy i think about it all the time like i've been thinking about it since i first saw the movie like 15 years ago so it's just um yeah it's just him staring angrily at about people. it i just 
I just, yeah, I just, I think about him. We were talking about the monkeys earlier, you know, in that final sequence, just hanging out with his new monkey friends, <laughs> being the emperor. Uh, but no, really more of the, what I will say more seriously is the way um, that I feel like he is able to convey the building, I want to say building, um, like, tension or just maybe the mental, mm-hmm. like, breakdown that this character is having where you can tell from minute one this is guys there's something's not quite right there but the transformation from the beginning to the end he goes from like starting this much left of center and then all the way by the end (laughs) um i love it it's just captivating i i love watching that performance uh but I, I will say i did not give enough consideration to jean pierre leo even and we talked about this a little bit because i don't like think of ch- like child performances necessarily right off the bat, but it is one of the best. Like it truly is one of the best child performances that I've ever seen, and that's you know not to be discounted. But we we can I, I can talk you guys into Sumitra Chatterjee for best actor, right? No, I'm willing to cave on the next two categories if you guys cave into John Pierleyod <laughs> on this one. Like it it means that I'll cave on John Pierleyod. Yeah, no, I I think I think that's a very good call. He is yeah he is very okay. good. Um, that poor, that poor he's kid. the best part of 400 blows. I'll give it that. absolutely absolutely. Yeah, just to show how serious I am, I'm willing to cave on best picture. Which I know my pick won't win because I want to. I want John Pierleyod to win that much. <laughs> Making right. those sacrifices, John Pierleyod. Yeah. Thank you. I. It makes me so happy. Which is interesting. We we are not picking big name actors. Well, you know, I mean, the, these movies don't have. I mean, none of us. We even talk about like Martin Sheen in. Apocalypse yeah. Now, who's good? He's yeah, really, yeah. But even for me, like I didn't really consider him as a pick. And, so. and Leo is definitely a big name actor in France, right? And sure. Among like you know big f- yeah. film film nerds, but just yeah. as an act, like if I went up to my dad or my mom, I was like, "How about Jean Pierre Leo as a career actor?" And they'd be like, <laughs> "The fuck you yeah, talking, talking about, about, man?" Yeah. Same. 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 Uh, that said, we for this next category, we may end up leaning big name. Uh, I guess we'll see because there's not that many options for lead actress. Um, right. In in my mind, there's there's four answers. Yeah, yeah. I are there four? I only came up with three. <laughs> who are, who are the four? The the ones that I'm thinking of. Yeah. What four would you say? I said Anne Baxter. I said Betty Davis. I said uh, Shirley MacLaine. Oh. And I said Bridget Mira. Yeah, from Ali. Yeah, see, I, I, I was thinking McLean is uh, supporting, in which case there's really only three options to even pull from. That's, really? That's you think Shirley McLean is Lee, is supporting? I really think she's a co-lead. I think, did she get nominated in supporting? Did she get No, she got nominated in lead. And I she think did. that's a good call because she, she like shares the heart. It's, it's literally a story about two people in the same sort of arc and they're kind of leading this arc as they go along collectively together i really think she's a co-lead and not a supporting she did get lead okay can i convince you that at least that we should consider her a lead nick yeah 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 i mean i'm happy to consider her since we didn't uh talk about her in the other category and i don't think any of us are going to pick her here so we might as well and i pick shirley (laughs) mcclain is that actually your pick yeah Oh no! <laughs> oh man, I was gonna be so mad if Nick bumped her to like supporting. And I was gonna have to go back and be like, <laughs> hit the brakes. No, she's my favorite. 
you better feel happy about uh, caving on Jean-Pierre Laod for me. Well, okay, Jenna didn't even consider her a, a chance, so yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to get my pick either. Yeah, I mean, for me, the, the conversation stopped and started with Betty Davis, really. Yeah, and that, um, that's a very reasonable yeah. pick. Yeah, like, and I, I, you know, I didn't know if we were going to have, you know, the Ann Baxter, like, discussion. She's good, too, but, I mean, it's just Betty Davis. It's I still might She's argue so Ann good. Baxter's better than Betty, Betty Davis. That's a wild opinion. She's good, but that's uh, <laughs> that's just not not the case um, but yeah Betty Betty Davis for me was sort of ran away with it yeah the thing about Betty Davis is uh that none of um none of the other performers are Betty Davis and she is and they're not yeah well that's true <laughs> it's it, it it is true and yeah that's enough for yeah. me. yeah she's just a, when I was when I was thinking about the movies this morning and I was, you know, going back and looking at some of the quotes from All About Eve and things and the quotes, I mean, we talked about it with the screenplay. The quotes are so good and it's so well written, but her delivery on these things. Yeah. And it's I was incredible. watching like the one clip when she's like really drunk at the party and she's sort of like cradling her drink and or he tries <laughs> to like bring her some tea and she kind of is just like pulling her. Oh, it's so good. She does good physical comedy. She's so good in that movie. She's her drama scenes are very good too. She really, yeah, it's multidimensional in that. Oh yeah, all all across the board. So, mm-hmm. so wait, Nick, what was the fight you thought you were gonna have to put up in Best Actress? No, no, I said I was willing to uh, forego other fights so that JPL would win. Okay, no. <laughs> JPL wins. Betty Davis wins. Oh. All right, are we all the way to picture now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. It's I mean, picture we, time. We sort of, I don't I mean, I don't know if it's really, we can go through, I guess, nominees, but like we're working through. Oh, also, a Who trilogy. Are you individually as a trilogy? No, What's I'm, the... I think we got to do it by the Ebert thing. We're going to separate by it. The trilogy? We, we're okay. we're going to keep it collectively the Apu trilogy. Okay. So, because, yeah, because we kind of have, I mean, nine nominees. <laughs> <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about what your favorites were. Can I ask a question real quick? Mm-hmm. What was mm-hmm. your guys' least favorite? I think you guys know my least favorite, but for, if people have been skipping around and hearing this one first, uh, my <laughs> least favorite was The Apartment. Heresy. That might be my second favorite. <laughs> All right, Dylan, what's your least favorite? Uh, it's probably eight and a half. It's that or Apocalypse Now, and it's probably eight and a half. Yeah, mine's probably eight and a half. Um mm-hmm. With the risk of being kicked off the podcast for saying also maybe four hundred blows. Hey, that'd uh, be my third least favorite. So <laughs> it's yeah, it's just not. <laughs> Nick, Nick's I know. Kill us. Sorry, Nick's gonna quit. Um, Coming no, to you I, in season two with just <laughs> Jenna and Dylan. Because yeah. <laughs> marched off in protest. Um, but no, I think they're not very bad. You know, they're they're no, they're, it, they're they really the great. Are. They're the great movies, as some might mm-hmm. call them. Um, so I think it's no this is going to be one of the best seasons we're going to have, especially compared to next season. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to start getting some. Uh, I haven't even looked at what's coming up. We're going to start getting some uh, less good. Ones we have something called Body Heat. Oh, I'm excited to watch Body Heat. Are you kidding? I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I've never even heard of Body Heat. Really? Oh, yeah. You're. Yeah. Well, I would say you're young, but these movies are all old as hell, so I don't well, know. Well, okay, this is what I'd say. I haven't heard of Body Heat outside of the Ebert list. That sure. Is, that movie does not exist to me. I'm so. shocked that it's on the list. I, well, okay, we'll talk about it when we get there. Like, it it's, seems yeah. a very weird pick to be like right after Battleship Potemkin. <laughs> I know, 
<laughs> that's a real double feature for you. Yeah, it's it's like an erotic thriller. Like we've sort of we've talked before, probably not even that probably was not on the podcast uh, about erotic thrillers and like that genre. It's a strange fit, and especially because it's going to come what bet- like with Battleship Potemkin, and then also like the Cocktail Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> like what a weird. Yeah, but the interesting thing is the movie before that is also an erotic thriller. Oh, Just is that Belle Dujour? Or blow, blow up. up. Oh, that's right. And then Bell yeah. Dujour's two movies before that. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> interesting. Okay. It's going to become um, a sensual podcast. Yeah, we're going to go through a real phase. Right when we get into summer, it's uh, <laughs> going to be good timing. All right. But for, for Best Picture, what was Matt's, uh, Jana's husband? Oh, yeah. Uh, Dylan asked me to check with my husband, Matthew, about his favorite, because he's been watching all of these along uh, with me. So it's been nice having someone to do that with. Um, as I predicted, he said he would either say 2001 or Apocalypse Now, which are the ones he had seen before and that he saw in college, um, probably leaning towards 2001. Uh, in a surprising, maybe a twist, he said of the ones he hadn't seen before, uh, the one that has stuck with him the most is Ali, Fury to the Soul. Nice. Um, or as he said, hmm. the German one. And I said, do you mean Aguirre? And he said, no, in Germany. <laughs> I said, oh, Ali. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, of the ones he hadn't seen before, he said Ali was the one that made the Yeah, I think we gave so. Ali a little bit too bad of a rap. I'm glad to see someone giving a good shout. Yeah, I, I, me too. When he said that, I'm like, you know, that is a good movie. We were a yeah. little tough on it, I think, just because of the film. I think I was it, tough but... on it because I had it in my top 15 of all time and was like, oh, this is only a... <laughs> Great movie and not like an incredible game changing movie. But yeah, no. you might have put some on, uh, had some unreasonable expectations or not expectations, but like associations tied with it. Mm-hmm. All right, who wants to go first for best picture call? I mean, I'll go first because I think, well, maybe none of us will have surprising picks. <laughs> maybe none of this will be a surprise to anybody. Um, but mine's all about Eve. Uh, of course. If, I mean, that's, that's not a surprise. Uh, it's yeah, it's just been my favorite discovery of these ones we've watched so far. Um, it could be called I've, All About Jana. It, exactly. Um, I've already watched it a couple times, you know, since mm-hmm. we first watched it for the recording, and I'm going to watch it a million more times. Uh, it's so good. Um, and it just, yeah, there's, there's no part of it really that I don't mm-hmm. enjoy. And I'm mostly just sad that I hadn't seen it until now. What would some of your interrupts be? Probably Aguirre um, is up there for me and Apocalypse Now Mm -hmm. um, as a tie in the genre of people going crazy, going up uh, (laughs) boats. That genre just comes in as a tie. And then the Apu trilogy would be the other one I was considering. It's just can't really uh, question the greatness of that, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So those were the real standouts of this first batch for me. What about you guys? Oh, and 2001. 2001's good. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to throw out a big nomination for The Apartment because... Big swing! Yeah, big swing and a miss right there. <laughs> I didn't say a miss. I just said big swing. <laughs> I think Nick said miss in his head. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to shout out uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey as well, but I very staunchly will say a Pooh Trilogy 
is the the best. It is so good. And I, after we saw Ali and I was like, oh, maybe this movie that I thought was one of my all-time favorites isn't really the best movie I've ever seen. I was like, oh, God. I probably rate a yeah, trilogy you higher. You were stressed and I was like, going into I don't trail. know. Is it just gonna? Is it gonna be like Ali, where it's just gonna be great and not like this incredible work of art that I expected? And it exceeded my expectations. Like I don't know how it couldn't be a the trilogy for me. That that's that's end of question for me. Um, but I, I I have to throw the question over to Nick. Uh, what is your best picture of the of the season? Should I? So I ranked these on on Letterboxd oh. on a private list. Um, that oh, I oh, on a private list, nice. Oh shit. Should do you guys want them. me to count them down? I. Yeah, I'd really like to hear. Yes, absolutely. So my number nine, I think, unsurprisingly, was the apartment. Um, all the other movies are all like, at worst, four out of five, and like even maybe f- four and a half out of five, but. Um, so it's no slight to say that uh, Ollie Fury It's the Souls number eight, number seven is eight and a half, then Apocalypse Now, then All About Eve, then Aguirre the Wrath of God, then 2001, um, and then real close at the top, but uh, number two is going to be the Apu trilogy. And in a huge split with Jana, apparently, I, I'm going with 400 Blows as my number one. But I, I knew that that wasn't going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, your guys's favor so i was willing to sacrifice my vote here for uh for my boy john pierre layout um but yeah this movie like like we it's gonna be a while uh looking at the list before we kind of uh come across something that's like in my top my personal top 10 but 400 blows i think is gotta be in my personal top 20 at this point i i really just can't sing its praises enough but um that being said the only movies that i hadn't seen before from from uh this collection of i guess 11 movies um were the latter two movies in the apu trilogy and i liked aparajito quite a bit but the world of apu just like it it pulled me over I, i i really loved that movie and i think that work is a whole mm-hmm. like three movies what what Sacha Jet Ray did is just like astonishing so um I I was guessing ahead of time that that is probably where we were going to be leaning towards as a trio anyway um but I guess we can talk it out Jenna I'm just curious could you throw together ranking the nine right now because yes, I, I could Okay, you do it. I'm looking at mine right okay. now. And I will say very quickly, I I think I just need to watch 400 Blows again. Um, it's very good. I just, I've only watched it the one time. Um, and especially after hearing for my entire life that, like, it is the movie. It is, like, one of the great movies, the most important movies. And then I finally watched it and I'm like, okay, it's a story about a kid. All right, interesting. <laughs> like, And so I think I may have had an expectations uh situation going on there so i I definitely will revisit it and see uh how it grows for me on a second watch but yes i'm ranking right now i was never quite that high on it but um like in preparation for the pod i watched it once and then i watched it again and then i watched it again Mm -hmm. um so maybe it just needs to i mean it's obviously like not gonna be for everyone too but it's something that just kind of like crept up on me like i i would have been surprised um that 
this would have been the movie if you would have told me three months ago that I'm going to be like super into 400 blows. Um, I, I would have, I would, <laughs> that, that wouldn't have been the movies of these uh, nine that I would have bet on. Would, would you have put more money on that a, the 400 blows was your favorite or the apartment was your least favorite? Ooh. Um, probably 400 blows still just because I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to get the time machine. <laughs> anyway, um, I guess my rankings would go um, eight and a half. Uh, and then in eighth place would be Apocalypse Now. Um, in seventh place would be 400 Blows. <sighs> Sixth place is probably All About Eve, but that just feels ridiculously low. But that's just because of the the content we got here. Five is Ali Fearies of Soul. Four would probably be Aguirre the Wrath of God. Three, honestly, three is probably going to be 2001. Two is going to be The Apartment. And and one will be the Apu Trilogy. But the 2001 Apartment is really go either way. I'm probably going favoritism over actual quality, picking Apartment over 2001. But yeah, that's probably it. All right, Janet, did you throw your okay, list together? Okay, we we're making lists of our own personal favorites. Yeah. You go favorite over <laughs> anything else. That's what you're doing. Yes, I made my list. Um, and again, I like all of these movies. Like, yes. this, none of these movies are bad. Um, so, all right. So starting in ninth place, eight and a half, 400 blows, Ali, Fear Eats the Soul. And then after this, is only movies that I gave five stars to. So just <laughs> <laughs> the rest of this list is ar- is probably fairly arbitrary at that point. But continuing on, um, after Ali, I go to The Apartment, then 2001, then Apocalypse Now, then Aguirre, Wrath of God, then the Apu Trilogy, then All About Eve. Mm. Well, I think it's got to be a, 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 the Apu Trilogy then. Yeah, yeah. it's got a, <laughs> a first and two seconds. That's our probably strongest consensus. That, that did kind of put the nail in the coffin which yeah. i'm thrilled about i was i was kind of ready thinking that um i was gonna have to fight you guys on the apu trilogy what we liked it oh i know you guys but we <laughs> liked them all like that's true fair enough i don't know i i think i'm tr- i'm scrolling through right now and besides i don't know maybe do the right thing and seven samurai that's the only like one that i could even begin to argue would be in my top 10 yeah probably there's a lot in like my top 30 but like i don't know if i'm gonna get better than that poo trilogy this whole time you guys i feel like if we do like an entire 100 movie uh, like complete series finale at the end of all of this, I will be voting again for Apu Trilogy as the best fiction. When we when we read off a uh, ninety nine to one, yeah, <laughs> all of our rank, ranking of the movies. <laughs> oh, that that will be intense. Yeah. Um, no, there's there's a lot of good movies on this list. There's a lot of good stuff in here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I really like our picks. I think. Yeah, I feel good. Yeah, I feel good about it. A Apu did win three of the five. Yeah. Or three of the... Uh, three of the seven? Seven. Sorry. Yeah. That was... 
I was thinking of the big five there for a second, but no. Yeah. Yeah. We, have we, threw, the, in, we, have we threw in supporting stuff. to bring mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Good first season, guys. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Um, so do you guys want to read off the movies quickly for season two? Oh, sure. Um, so we got starting off uh, Battleship Potemkin by Sergei Eisenstein. And then Jacques Cocteau's uh, The Belle et la Bête, or Beauty and the Beast. Um, and then again, Belle du Jour, which is that, what does that translate to? I'm trying to remember French. Is that Beauty of the Day or something? It must be, right? Du Jour? Yeah. So. Like a soup? I'm checking real quick. Beautiful what Day. Huh. Um, then The Bicycle Thieves uh, by Vittoria De Sica. Yeah. Um... And then The Big Sleep, which is a Howard Hawks movie, correct? Yep. Ooh, I'm really testing my movie bird right now. <laughs> I feel like most people are using this. I am double uh, checking. Thank you. And then, of course, uh, Michelangelo and Donione's uh, Blow Up, and that is one, two, three, four, five, six. All right, and then Body Heat, which is Lawrence Kasdan. I didn't know that was a Lawrence Kasdan It's movie. a Lawrence Kasdan picture, yeah. Wow. And then Bonnie and Clyde. Oh my god, I'm blinking. Arthur Penn. And then finally, um, season finale will be Bride of Frankenstein by James Whale. That will be the nine. The nine to lead us to I'm excited. Yeah. What what movie is are you guys excited most for? Well, once again, the only, I've only well yeah, I've only seen one of these. I've only seen the big sleep and I've seen it a bunch. Um <laughs> I'm honestly most excited for Blow Up. Like, I've wanted to watch that for years. It's one of those ones that I'm pretty sure I've rented and then had to send back. Like, back in the old Netflix disc days, I would rent mm-hmm. it and then not get around to watching it and have to send it back. Um, so I'm probably most excited for that. Um, I think I already told you I'm least excited for Bicycle Thieves. Seems <laughs> sad. <laughs> not, oh, yes. Not emotionally ready to watch Bicycle Thieves. Um, but we'll get there. Mm-hmm. How about you, Nick? Uh, so I've seen um, seven of nine. I haven't seen Belle du Jour, which I, I'm i like a little bit colder on Bunuel than most people, but we'll see. I think this is supposed to be one of his better movies. And then I haven't seen Body Heat. Um, my personal favorite of these is probably Cocteau's Beauty and the Beast or um, as someone who likes bummers. I, I really love Bicycle Thieves. But I think the big sleep will probably make for the most fun episode because, like, how are we going to do a scene by scene breakdown mm-hmm. of the big sleep? It's going to be insane. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, infamously, in case anyone's not familiar, if the big sleep is famous for one thing, it's famous for not making sense. So there's that to look forward to. It's just going to be two. In we're going to have going to be two hours of us going. Wait, what? Right. <laughs> and then this guy's there, and then they're at the house, and yeah, it's uh. It's great. So I think who Body killed, Heat. Who will killed be the this first, person? I don't know. God, nobody knows. I think Body Heat's going to be the first one that none of us have seen. Right? Yeah. This will this That's the first be movie episode, yeah. that none of us will have seen, which goes to show you how sort of out of left field this pick is. Um, but I'm I'm excited. I think that one's going to be fun too, because just yeah. what a wild choice for Ebert I, to put that on this list. I will say, probably one of my least favorite genres in movies is the erotic thriller. Oh, I'm excited. I don't get anything out of the erotic thriller. Oh, God. It's going to be great. So I'm going to have. Is it the uh, erotic or the thriller part that you don't like? (laughs) Um. It's when they're put together. (laughs) It's it's that combination just doesn't do anything for you. It's so. 
uninteresting to me. But um, I think probably my favorites of the group. I think probably my favorite is Bride of Frankenstein. But I think the best is probably Bicycle Thieves. And I'm very excited for Beauty and the Beast as well. It's possible. I've probably I've actually probably seen Bride of Frankenstein. Like I watched all those like Boris Karloff movies and things when I was a lot younger. I just don't have any particular memory Uh of it as opposed to just like regular Frankenstein, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm I'm looking forward to it. Do you guys want to do a rewatch of the Disney Beauty and the Beast um, as a comparison when we talk about La Bella La Sure. I watch that movie all the time. Nick, uh, the one with Emma Watson from a couple years ago. Yeah, I'm done. Oh God, no! Get out! <laughs> that is like, that's a how bad dare one. you, sir? Yeah. Oh, we lost Nick. <laughs> he cracked himself I fell up off so the hard. Zoom. I, f- <laughs> I fell off the Zoom screen because you guys were attacking me so much. <laughs> we were so mad. We managed you. Um, yeah, no, but I mean, I that's what those those '90s Disney movies are like 80 minutes long. So yeah, and, and if I remember correctly, the the belle the belle, it's like. Oh, it's ninety six. I thought it was more like seventy six minutes, but both are both movies will be short. We will. I don't think we'll do a scene by scene at all no, of the no, no. of the but, Disney one, but as a way to just do some sort of comparison of a modern yeah. retelling to a very like, it, I mean, almost to the point that it's like it's painfully classical retelling. Yeah, um, it is very upfront about that, um, which it, I think in a lot of ways works, but it is blunt force classics. Yeah, I'm. I am excited for that one, and yeah, I don't even really need to rewatch the '90s Beauty and the Beast. But I sure, don't either, but I love watching it, and so yeah, I'll probably that's my rewatch it. Favorite of those. Um, cool. Yeah, sounds good. Love to podcast plan on the podcast. Are we done? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> I feel good. Yeah. Good. Good season, guys. Looking forward to our next batch here. Yeah, so that was our season one wrap-up. If you haven't heard uh, the episodes of any of the movies we talked about, you can go through on Spotify or iTunes or wherever it is you found this and find the rest of them. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Letterboxd at Great Movies Pod. And thanks, as always, to our buddy Scott Brady, who does our artwork. You can find him on Twitter at Brady Artist. And that's it. We will see you guys next week. We're going to be talking about Sergei Eisenstein's Battleship. I've seen that it's actually pronounced Potemkin or something like that. I don't know. We're going to call it Potemkin, right? Oh, gosh. We'll can work we on our Russian before it? next week. Yeah, can Sounds we just good. call it Potemkin, please? <laughs> I think we can. Okay, yes, good. we can. All righty. Uh, All right. That's well, it. All right. Roger out. Roger out. Roger out, guys. Bye. And when I go to the movies... I am that person on the screen. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else. And that makes me a better person. That to see good films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilized experiences that we can have as people.